The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May I have the grace to speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, <laughs> as my mother used to say, Jesus, you have stopped preaching and started meddling. So we're continuing to read from the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Charlie got to tell you that you are salt and light. Good news. This week, I get to be the bad cop as Jesus tells us more about what that means. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> this is one of those times I wish we weren't electionary people. I would like the freedom to choose some other passage for our reflection today. As we are bombarded by insults online and in political campaigns, as we struggle in homes torn by unfaithfulness and divorce, 
and in a desperate search for truth at all levels of our lives. We hear Jesus setting up impossible demands. Amid all the swirling feelings of despair, anger, and mistrust, I would look for something more comforting and less demanding. But it is precisely in the most challenging times that we need to see and hear the gospel. That's why we come here week after week. Wrestling with this challenging text will point us to the gospel, the good news of God's love and forgiveness. As we put ourselves under the discipline of the passages set before us, we will find God's message for us amid our struggles as faithful disciples. As a faithful Jew, Jesus is not ditching Mosaic law. He's expanding on it, touching on what it means to internalize the commandments to love God and neighbor, showing how our hearts must be transformed as we live into the covenant that God has established with faithful people. Jesus reminds us of the terrible consequences when anger, lust, and untruthfulness destroy individual relationships and undermine our living together as God's people. I remember when then-President Jimmy Carter was interviewed by Playboy magazine. He cited this passage from Matthew and confessing that sometimes he looked with lust at another woman. Carter was widely derided as hopelessly naive and simplistic. But I think he was serious as he pointed out the human frailties that often overcome us, revealing that constant introspection and self-control are part of the discipline of living as God's children. Jesus is calling for habits of the heart, an orientation of our lives towards God's love that forms the basis of our living together. It's a demanding standard, and it is possible only because we know of God's forgiveness. When Jesus talks about marriage and divorce, for example, here and in other passages, I know his words are hard for many of us to hear. I dare say that all of us have been touched by issues of marriage and divorce. Perhaps this passage lands on you today with all the harshness and judgment that has caused you much pain. Whether it is the question of who may marry, or the permissibility of divorce, or remarriage as adultery, we find ourselves reeling. What is Jesus teaching? Is he condemning those of us who are divorced or remarried or in same-gender relationships? Where's the good news? My friends, it is here, and our looking for it will bring us more deeply into God's love. Please hear that if you don't remember anything else I say this morning. When Jesus speaks about marriage and divorce, the conversation is about what is and is not permitted by Jewish law. Clearly, the relationships established in marriage are crucial to human well-being, and faithfulness to marriage vows is fundamental to those relationships. And 
marriage is also a metaphorical way of understanding the relationship of God with humans. In the writings of the Hebrew prophets, Israel is described as God's bride. The covenant relationship between God and the people is a marriage based on mutual faithfulness and intimacy. When the people of Israel abandon their relationship with God, following after other gods, as the phrase goes, they are committing a form of adultery. Divine judgment arises from God's sense of abandonment that the people have forgotten where their loyalties lie. They are rejecting God's promise that their own peace and flourishing lie in their right relationship with the one who has created and loves them. It is God's heart that aches when relationships are broken. To live as salt and light, as we heard last week, is to internalize the truth of God's love within each of us, calling us to rise above our base instincts and living into the forgiveness and wholeness that God desires for us. Jesus' harsh words underscore the seriousness of the message. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. The language about the meaning of marriage is part of that seriousness part of the call to live into new patterns that challenge our complacency and comfort. Jesus' teaching about marriage and adultery is part of a pattern in which he takes the letter of the law, in this case, Mosaic law, permitting a man to divorce his wife, and reframes the discussion. In the context of oppressive divorce laws based on patriarchy and the inferior position of women, Jesus points to a different vision. He's urging a higher standard, a commitment of heart and mind, rather than reliance on legalisms. He is reiterating God's historic demand to the people of Israel, loving God with heart and soul and mind and body, and one's neighbor as oneself. That is the heart of discipleship, a way of life that looks not at what is permissible under the law, but what is possible in the unfolding divine reign of God's peace, mercy, and justice. Marriage, then, like other human relationships, is shaped by our relationship with God. As we experience God's forgiveness and love, we are freed to offer that love and forgiveness to others. And in turn, these relationships become ways in which we glimpse the discipline and the joy of the life that Jesus offers. We learn the meaning of sacrifice, of being willing to examine our own hearts and in putting others' needs ahead of our own. We learn the meaning of patience and of giving and receiving forgiveness. We learn the joy of intimacy shared with one who knows us and loves us deeply. Jesus' teaching about discipleship is harsh because the stakes are high. The urgency comes from God's desire that we use what precious time we have to live as fully and freely as God created us to be. Pointing us to the new life that God promises means taking seriously the ways in which we struggle to understand and live out those promises. 
It means acknowledging the times that we lose our way, make false choices, hurt one another, claim unearned privileges, and engage in patterns of oppression and inequality. Marriage is a school of love. This premise undergirds the Episcopal Church's understanding of marriage and its rules around marriage and divorce. It's rooted in the belief that God creates us to live in covenant relationship with each other. And for many people, this means the covenant of marriage. Entering into such a covenant requires self-examination on the part of two people within the community of discernment that we call the church. Our understanding of marriage as a lifelong commitment blessed by God has been strengthened by the inclusion of same-gender relationships in the marriage covenant. We affirm the wideness of God's invitation into the intimacy and joy of faithful relationships as part of God's plan for our happiness as we move beyond the patriarchy embedded in some of our marriage, language, and practices. In the marriage ceremony, the couple make promises, and the assembled community is also asked if the marriage should proceed and to make an affirmative commitment to support this relationship. And it is in that context that the priest asks for God's blessing. You likely know that a clergy person is not required to marry anyone if there is evidence that this potential marriage is not based on God's plan for faithful and mutually healthy relationships. You may also be aware that the Episcopal Church permits divorce and remarriage, drawing on our trust that God's mercy is extended whenever we are willing to live, to examine ourselves, to acknowledge our mistakes, and to commit to living into the demands and joys of discipleship. It's been my experience that many people who have remarried after divorce have a heightened sense of the demands and the rewards of married life, as well as a renewed trust in the promise of God's love and forgiveness as the sure foundation for all of our life together. My friends, whatever fears, disappointments, mistakes, and hurts you are carrying today. Jesus is welcoming you here. Nothing you have suffered is beyond the reach of God's healing. Nothing you have done is beyond the reach of God's forgiveness. We come together to affirm our trust in God's mercy and to learn to live in covenant with God and each other. As Jesus welcomes you to his table, may you come with humility and trust. May you recommit to mending broken relationships and receiving God's forgiveness. And may you hear anew these words of Jesus spoken later in the Gospel of Matthew. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen.